Welcome to the With a Dog podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Carly. And I'm Izzy. We find answers to all your dog questions so you can get the most out of life with a dog. Hello, everyone. Just wanted to give you a heads up that the audio quality for this intro, so that's like the first little bit where it's just Izzy and I talking before we jump into the interview. It's not that great, um, the audio quality at least. So we just wanted to apologize, give you a heads up. Um, Basically, like I just got back from vacation and so I'm just now editing and didn't realize it was that bad until the day that we're supposed to upload it. So um, anyway, but we've just like we've switched studios, we are working with some new um, equipment and mics and stuff. So it's just on Izzy's side, there's some background noise, just wanted to let you know before you get into it. So you can either like skip, it's just the first 10 minutes, so you can skip it. Or, you know, if you can bear through it, then the actual interview itself is perfect, free and clear of any bad audio quality. Thank you so much for listening in the first place, and we're really sorry about this, but I hope you enjoy. It's Mother Dog Wednesday! Whoop! Welcome everyone with a dog. I'm exhausted, but Izzy has exciting things to talk about. (laughs) Go ahead, Izzy. (laughs) Okay, so I don't know if you've been watching Selling Sunset. Have you been watching it? Uh, No, I've only seen the first season. I haven't seen after that. Well, you need to watch season two and three. Three just came out. I watched it in three days and I was watching it on my lunch break at work. And then I followed everybody, like the whole cast on Instagram. And I've just been looking at all of Christine's wedding wedding videos and all of her pictures. And she's just, oh my gosh. Also, they all have dogs. So wouldn't it be cool if we could have them on? Yes. I'm down. I'm totally down for that. Do it. I love it. I'm good all I know is that like that one girl like because she was the new one in the first season got divorced yeah she did and it was like a whole thing and people were being so mean to her and honestly she's the nicest one I don't know why everyone's like she didn't seem it like in the first yeah in the first season like she was definitely like the nicest like yeah and even though like I don't really like Christine but I also really like, like, I hate to love her. Is she the tall one with long yeah. blonde hair? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, really big lips. Yeah. Anyway, second bit of news was, oh man, I forgot my first one. Well, it's the first one was Selling Sunset. Well, in my head, that was the second oh. one, but that was just like, it wasn't ex- as exciting. I was like building up to it. Well, you, Sunset. you keep thinking about it. I'll tell everyone, I just got back from vacation and it was so relaxing and so like happy and just, (laughs) okay. So I went to Lake Tahoe down in California. My family lives around there. We vacation there all the time. It is the most gorgeous lake that you'll ever see. Don't come at me. All those people who are like, Lake District is beautiful. No, Lake Tahoe is like (laughs) huge. Like I feel like people who are like, oh, Lake Chelan or whatever. I'm like, it's small no. in, in comparison to Tahoe. And so anyway. Doesn't it span over two states? Like you can go to yeah. Tahoe and Nevada as well. Yeah, we are on the Nevada side. Nevada. Nevada. God damn. Nevada. <laughs> on the Nevada side. And um, so, yeah, it was just like awesome. The water was like crystal clear. The last few times we've been there, it was kind of colder in the summer. And this time it wasn't. It was perfectly warm enough to make you want to jump into the freezing cold water. Uh, and like nice. get out and like warm up again really easily and then jump back in and it's just <laughs> like oh it was so great I just like read a bunch of books I was there with my family and um my aunt and uncle have a beautiful lake house up there that they that I hadn't seen yet so anyway that's that was my story and I just want to you'd think I'd be like really relaxed now though but I feel like really tired of everything mm, yeah but, I mean traveling is hard and being with family is tough it's nice, but it's tough. Yeah. It's it's yeah. actually, it was like good. My family loves to go and do things, which is great. Like you, you think you want that out of a family, but I am also <laughs> the type of person who's like, I just want to read my book and <laughs> like, yes, I'll have the wine, but like, that's it. You know, I don't wanna, <laughs> like, I don't want to like go out and about basically. And so it was kind of nice because like the whole COVID being around made us 
made it so we couldn't really go out and about, which was kind of, it was kind of nice. We could just like sit by the lake and like drink. I drank, oh my God, so much. We drank every night, multiple drinks. That's probably why you're so tired. It it probably is. I think I've been, you know, when you're, you've been like overindulging Mm -hmm. on vacation for a week, that's what it is. It's been like eating anything and everything and having alcohol and yeah. But now it is time to get back to work, nail down some good podcast stuff. Yes. Got to buy furniture so we don't have a <laughs> card table. Um, we're going to start decorating our studio. Instagram pictures to come. Yay. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Speaking of indulging, I remembered my happy news. So I've narrowed down my lactose intolerance to uh-huh. whey. Yeah. Just way, probably because maybe it's like so concentrated. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to question it. But <laughs> it, yesterday, so yesterday I ran a 5k PR, and I was like super, super stoked. I was aiming for under 30 minutes, and I did like 29 minutes and 29 seconds. Yeah. Whoop whoop. Um. So that's like 3.12 miles, I think, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so I was super stoked and I ate a whole tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and a whole mud pizza. Yes. I just had like a very mild stomach ache for about 10 minutes and then it was fine. And I was like, okay, totally worth it. And now I know that I can have ice cream and I can have pizza. It's, I think it's just the way. It's just the way. It's probably, it's yeah, it's probably because it's just so concentrated and like pure like milk protein. Probably. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's good. Well, you should, I mean, if your stomach's still hurt, then you should probably like just, just have like limit the ice cream and stuff, but that's still good. I, you know what's funny? I ate the whole pint except for like literally one tablespoon <laughs> because I got to that last tablespoon and my stomach was like not happy with me. No. <laughs> I was like, it's just one more bite, but I can't do it. You're like... It was like, we warned you before. Remember those times that you were like seriously ill, Izzy? Remember? Like you shouldn't have dairy. And ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> one after the other one. <laughs> but then it went away real quick. So it was fine. Did you ever, okay, this is kind of off topic, but did you ever listen to the podcast, How I Built This? Or have you ever listened to that one? It's It's super good. I think it's put on by like NPR, but the guy who does it does amazing interviews guy Roz is his name and he's super great but anyway he he interviews like entrepreneur like people so like big brain the big brand names that you would know like swell water bottles or like spanks and like things that are like you know like grew from the bottom up and he interviews like their ceo or their founder or whatever um joe malone you know yeah. for like perfume um that's one I listened to recently, but they did a Ben and Jerry's one. So you should listen to it. It's really interesting. It's like two hippie guys that are just like <laughs> making ice cream and like doing shit in the world. It's great. It's really good. I love it. I'm waiting for the day where they come out with like a marijuana ice cream. Yeah. They would too. Yeah. They would. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like, okay. Like, I'm like, you know what? I can support this brand. They like, they yeah, do a lot of stuff. stuff. They do. Rather yeah. than just buying like some out random brain, like big old ice cream. I'm like, I don't feel as guilty eating the ice cream, basically. Not that you should feel guilty <laughs> eating ice cream ever, but you know what I mean. Whatever. Diet culture <laughs> sucks. Um, <laughs> anyway, cool, cool. Well, should we introduce our guests? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this week we're introducing Elle. Um, and didn't you meet Elle in London when you were living there? I did, yeah. So, and we kind of like talk about this briefly in the interview, but I met her. There's there's such a thriving dog parent, dog community in London, especially those of like dogs with Instagrams. Um, so there's like <laughs> events and stuff that you can just go to with dogs. And we went to like a beach cleanup on the river on the Thames downtown. And the dogs like ran around on the river bank and we like cleaned up trash and I met her there. 
And Woolwick and Lupin got along really well, didn't yes. they? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So so Elle is the dog mom of Volrick. She has an Instagram called Wolf Dog of London. And Lupin and Volrick, you know, like totally hit it off. Lupin sometimes needed needs to be like goaded into playing. And Volrick was like, You're a big dog. I'm a big dog. Let's do this, bro. Let's play. <laughs> and um, and it was really, it was really cool because the reason that we were really interested in interviewing her is because she has a big dog in a very big bustling city. big city. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's kind of, we got that, her take. And it's a, is it a Czechoslovakian wolf dog? Yeah. Is that what he is? Yeah. And so that is like an AKC breed and everything, but it's also just an interesting breed. So she tells us all about like how it was training him and, why she decided to get, you know, his breed and all of that, you know, so it, it really goes along. Like if anyone's looking for one of those very, like, you know, the look of like a wolf dog, but they're like, don't know anything about the breed. This is a great episode yeah. to to listen to. Um, and she kind of talks about how, you know, the differences between them and like Huskies and stuff like that. Um, and she also gives tons of tips for if you're living in a city, which if our listeners are in Seattle, you know, even though it's a dog friendly city, it's still a big city. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of nice to like get all of the tips and tricks and all of that on how to live in a big city with a big dog. Yes. Yeah. Go, Elle. Elle is super sweet too. Like so, she was so nice. It was so fun interviewing her. Um, and she's currently living in an apartment as well. So she kind of touches on those types of obstacles and how she's gotten around them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's bring her on. Let's do it. All right. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. That was a pitiful whoop, whoop. What was it? Yeah. Whoop, whoop. It's like, whoop, whoop. Oh, my gosh. He's so cute. Look how massive that bed is. If he can, like, go into that little corner. It's a huge bed. Cool. Are we, well, are we yeah, let's yeah. get into it. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, we, this section of the podcast is, um, we've named it, Who Even Are You? Um, so <laughs> tell us, who even are you? Hey, I'm Elle. I live in London and I'm but a mere servant to Bulbrick, my Czechoslovakian <laughs> wolf dog. He is three years old. He's very goofy and very, very demanding. Um, and we've had him with my other half since he was seven weeks old, um, and just maybe five kilos, a tiny fur ball, uh, which sounds adorable, but it was like having a furry piranha. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) How, how big is he now? He is now 33 kilos, uh, which is well above the minimum for a male of the breed, Mm -hmm. but not like extremely big. His dad is bigger. Some of his semi uh, brothers, half brothers are up to 50 kilos. So he is city sized, thankfully. (laughs) (laughs) City sized. He's still a huge dog, but yeah. (laughs) The, The key is that I can lift him because dogs shouldn't really be on escalators uh, unless they're trained to do this. Unfortunately, every year I I learned from um, a kind man in transport for London and repeated then by the confirmed by the vets that lots of dogs get their paws trapped in escalators and it's incredibly dangerous and painful. So for in transport for London, at least you're asked to carry them. So Mm -hmm. there's me a 30 year old woman (laughs) lifting this wolf dog and ever so grateful he is. 30 something kilos and not 50. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a huge, that would be a huge jump for one, but also 30 kilos. That's, that's a lot in pounds. It's seven, 75, 75. So imagine yeah. carrying or 33 kilos. Do you have to carry 75. them for the whole journey or just, no, just the, just the escalator. Just the, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which some of them, depending on what station you're on is they're pretty like long, long. Yeah. And steep. And yeah. everyone's like packed in there too it's yeah. it's not like you have the room to just like be like yeah. hanging out and it's uh, like people a- make you room when you're ca- uh, when you're carrying a wolf dog That's <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're, they're probably like what is that <laughs> what is happening i'm gonna move out of their way before 
he tries to stand on me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. So that is who you are, L, dog mom to Volrick, the Czechoslovakian wolf dog. Um, And I met you when we were in London and we did like a trash cleanup thing on the rubbish cleanup (laughs) on the like bank of the Thames that another dog person was putting on in London. And Lupin and Volrick like... They were happy. They loved each other. I was so happy that Volrick was trying to play with Lupin. It was awesome. And because Lupin's not much of a player. Yeah. Uh, so Volrick has particular breeds that he seems to be fond of. And he also prefers elderly dogs. And Lupin <laughs> was like a refined gentleman as opposed to a playful <laughs> puppy. So he really tried to pester him for attention. Yeah. He really likes hounds. He likes hounds and um, staffies in particular. So any greyhound that just wants to snooze, he tries to flirt with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> goals he wrestles with. And yeah. That's perfect. It was great. It was so, well, Lupin really only loves, like he has to be goaded into playing and he loves big dogs. And so the fact that like they were like running around the banks for a little bit and it was, it was really awesome. Aww. And then I discovered your Instagram and I was like, oh, dang. So tell the listeners a little bit about how that started because it's yeah. it's so cool, all the pictures of Ulrich on there. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start right at the beginning, which is when we were uh, exploring what breed to get and we were going to a lot of different shows to get to know them. And we kind of knew we wanted a working dog, uh, but I-, I couldn't face having another German Shepherd because I grew up with one and he was irreplaceable. Uh, yeah. Not because he was the perfect dog. I'm just going <laughs> to out there. He was very reactive. Um, so we, we came across this breed, started talking to the breeder, and immediately she asked us something like three questions, like, have you owned a wolf dog before? Like, no. <laughs> have you owned, like, a primitive breed, like a Malamute or, I don't know, a, an Akita? No. Have you owned any big dog before? No, not <laughs> no dog at all. This would be our first dog. And she just said she wouldn't sell to us, essentially, oh, no. <laughs> like ever, which I massively, I, I just was convinced, okay, this is the breeder I need to buy from because I respected her so much instead mm-hmm. of being like, oh, he- here are some clueless people. Here's some easy money. So we took um, over a year getting to know the the breed, going to a lot of events, visiting them, uh, basically educating ourselves until they had another another litter from the specific dog I had met who's like puppy I wanted. <laughs> um, and then we went through more interviews than I ever have for any job. Um, (laughs) Kind of days being questioned about, you know, our setup, the stability of our relationship until they said, okay, I think, you know, you can give it a try. So all this um, to get to the point where we were very clear on how hard work this would be. We were warned profusely about what an investment of time, effort, energy, emotional labor this is going to be. And so I I have a bit of a tendency um, to worry uh, and constantly look for the improvement. So I got the idea of starting an Instagram because everybody complains it's always so positive. And I figured, actually, that sounds like a good thing for me. I should have some kind of filtered space that forces (laughs) me to post like the positives Mm -hmm. to to really motivate myself and and keep remembering the progress we're, we're doing. So I very much started this for myself um only and it grew a lot now i see myself forced to post a lot more negative things to Mm. be truthful because i'm scared that other people will only see this rosy rosy view yeah but that's that's the story behind like a post every day of warwick that's it so impressive that you so too yeah And, and just the fact that you noticed like first first of all like having an avenue to post just the positive things because it's so easy to like get down this rabbit hole of why the hell did I even do this? So that's cool. But also to notice that like, oh snap, this is like gaining popularity. Not anyone can do this. (laughs) So (laughs) they need to know the truth. So that's awesome. Yeah. Let's rewind a second. You kind of covered it a little bit, but Volrick and like Czechoslovakian wolf dog, how like you said, you had a German Shepherd. Like, how did you decide on like how much research do you do as far as like his breed? How much have you done research? Have you done since then? Mm-hmm. Since you've gotten him, like how have you catered the yeah. training and all of that? Um, 
a ton. So I thought that I would make up for our lack of hands-on experience through like research and academia, essentially. <laughs> so I've read every book. I visited so many shows and breeders. Um, we had quite a long list of potential breeds. Uh, we were considering the top ones were in the end uh, Malinois and other types of Belgian shepherds as well that mm-hmm. possibly have less, a little bit less drive than Malinois. Um, German shorthaired pointers. Yeah. Um, and standard poodles. So what people are always surprised that because to them, these sound like very different dogs, because I think a lot of people pick their dogs based on looks. Mm. So they expect me to say something like, and a husky and another type of wolf dog. Um, But actually, we were looking very much at what lifestyle we wanted to lead and how the dog should fit into that. So for example, um, like a bull breed or a Frenchie or a small breed was never on the cards, simply not because we don't like the way they look, um, mm-hmm. but because, you know, we want to be able to hike for 30 kilometers and the dog to keep up and, and be mm-hmm. happy doing that. Yeah. So we ended up with that shortlist, ended up meeting the the dogs a lot. And as I said, we actually went to events and met not only breeders, but owners. Um, unfortunately, Breeding is a lot of the time is a business, so it can be very easy to find people that are just selling you uh, their breed. I know that my particular example was a breeder that did the complete opposite, but it in parts is because she offers a lifetime guarantee. If she gives her dogs to people that um, cannot take care of them, she will eventually end up with that dog back, and you know that's incredibly costly and much harder to rehome. Mm-hmm. So think that we were fairly well prepared and informed because we had a lot of other owners tell us the realities as well. But there are, I think, certain things that we thought we understood in principle, but then in reality, it's really hard. So everybody (laughs) tells you, oh, they're really mouthy. And Mm -hmm. you don't understand what it's like, (laughs) first of all, to have to wear wellies in your own house because they just (laughs) attack your ankles. Um, But also, I I think the comparison, so they'll say, oh, they're really mouthy compared to other breeds. So you go to puppy classes and all the other puppies get it within like two weeks. They're not doing anymore. And you're like months, you know, you have four months at this point, it's not a small dog. And it's still just like trying to hang off of you like a little (laughs) crocodile. (laughs) I, I found that really tough. I didn't know this about myself that... I would kind of compare myself to the other dog owners and go, oh my God, I'm such a failure. What am I doing? Um, That was rough. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take for him to get out of that phase? Six months. Six months. Yeah. You know what? When my first job in a shelter, we worked with Malinois puppies and I would come home with bruises all down my arms and all down my legs for months because they were just, they were little crocodiles. And yeah. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't imagine people adopting these dogs. <laughs> I was like, they, why do they even exist? Like they're crazy. Like who yeah. on earth? But then, you know, they grow up to be really nice dogs. But I was just like, so blown away. I was like, there has to be something wrong with their brains. Like they have to have some kind of brain damage for them to do this to me. <laughs> why are they treating me like okay, this? Right? Yeah. Like, I give you nothing but treats and this is how you treat me. <laughs> But it was crazy. So, I mean, I couldn't even imagine like being in a position where I'd have to wear wellies in my own home. Well, this is where this is where the Instagram comes in handy, though, because as I said, I'm, I'm always focused on improvement. So right now I wouldn't naturally think, oh, it's so nice that my dog is calm at home and literally just passed out in his bed or on the sofa because you start <laughs> taking that for granted. Yeah. But now when I scroll back, you know, when Instagram shows me a memory from three years ago, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember these times <laughs> where I was like, <laughs> had to have my feet off the ground in order to relax because otherwise he would be like going at them. So <laughs> what is what is the personality then of, of a wolf dog and like Bullrick? Like, are they very independent and... You know, like, because I feel like there's certain breeds that are like, I just want to please you, mom. And then others are like, I'm going to do me. Like, yeah. see ya. Like, <laughs> where's my food? You know? Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you've described him really. It's the <laughs> second one, definitely. <laughs> um, they're, they're all, so a wolf dog in itself just means a, a hybrid, right? So that, that can be any mix. And I'm always really careful to tell everyone that, you know, I can talk to you about Czechoslovakian wolf dogs and my experience, but it's very different the moment you start mixing in other breeds. Um, the thing that tends to surprise people is that Czechoslovakian wolf dogs have no husky or sled dog whatsoever in them. So um, there are behaviors typical to these dogs that 
Forex doesn't have, for example, mm -hmm. pulling. Um, <laughs> so what is he like? He's definitely, okay, in general, the breed are definitely independent um, and very, very driven. They need to have a job. Otherwise, they'll find themselves a job, which is usually like, you know, redecorating your house, taking down <laughs> walls, things like that. There is, I'm, I'm going to actually plug a group that has nothing to do with me. But if anybody is interested in learning what life with these animals is like, there is a Facebook group called the Dark Side of CSB, which stands for Czechoslovakian Bolchak. And um, it is dark <laughs> at homes, absolutely destroyed. And it's, you know, it's, you have to have a sense of humor because you know you've signed up for this and we had destruction in our home as well. Mm -hmm. um, the, the thing that people confuse, get confused about when I say they have working drive is that they imagine like police dogs, right? Mm. But they don't excel at obedience. They, they excel at tracking, uh, which Carly might recognize having a hound. So they want yeah. to follow their nose. They want to lead you, not for you to lead them. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, you know, there, there is no interest in pleasing. They're independent problem solvers. There's even been uh, tests done by scientists comparing wolves, dogs, and wolf dogs in terms of problem solving. And it's not, you know, that they are smarter than other dogs. A Labrador will be smart enough when they can't solve something to go and like pester their owner for help. A wolf dog will just keep on trying for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. That's interesting though. It's so good that you made that distinction of like not not like the obedience training kind of job, because I think there's a lot of people like, oh, your dog wants a job. Like, okay, let's put them to work for people. And it's like, it's not that it's a whole different direction of like problem yeah. solving. Like Lupin is the same. He, he is very independent. He likes to follow his nose. It's such a pain. I've talked about it before on the podcast to <laughs> take him on a walk because he wants to go where he wants to go. And sometimes you mm. can't go that way. And, and it's like, we can't do this. And he just like plants his feet and he's like, this is what we're doing. We're going this way. And I'm like, you're there literally. There is no sidewalk that way. Yeah. So. <laughs> like that is the freeway. We're not going there. Um, so yeah. So I think that's so good that you kind of talked about that. I think a lot of people are just like, my dog is so nice and he does everything. You know, it was yeah. hard to train him, but now he does everything I say. And it's like. Damn you. No. Yeah. <laughs> so does that mean you, so like, I'm just thinking like when you were like leash training and doing like all of those basic obedience steps, how did you even navigate that and make him think that it was his idea? Essentially, I guess. <laughs> what, a, what, what a great question. So we had to find motivators for him because we also train force free. So um, we had to build up food into being interesting and toys into being interesting because they're not by default. So we hand fed a lot and he has to earn his food. Um, so, you know, every class hands full of uh, chicken treats and, and <laughs> what have you. So now he is, we're actually at the point where we need to stop using food as a treat so much because he's become so driven by it because they, they are looking for, for a job. Mm. Right. So we switched onto toys and teaching him that, you know, chasing a toy is fun and that's rewarding. But, you know, other dogs get rewards just through through fuss, um, you know, and getting scratches. And this is something, I, I, I can't believe I'm admitting this on my first ever podcast, but we had to train him to cuddle with us. We yeah. had to give him treats mm -hmm. to like sit next to us uh, and relax because he would just sit in the opposite corner and stare at us like yes cat. this is like lupin there's okay wolf dogs are more like hounds than yes. we're just gonna yes. throw it out there i i 100 agree i know yeah. they look more like a german shepherd but i think behavior wise they're a lot more like hounds <laughs> that's so funny i love that we had to train him to love us. We had to train him to cuddle with us. <laughs> but And you know this story you just said about Lupin just wanting to go somewhere where there isn't something and lead you the way. I um, I take Vorek to the office and one day we walked out and he just turned left the opposite direction to just going home, dragging me until I found out there's a new like Spanish ham shop that had opened <laughs> a few like blocks around that mm -hmm. he just had to take me to. So yeah, you kind of you follow them a little bit. Yeah. Well, he's helping you discover new parts of London. It's great. I, I wasn't complaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like Spanish ham? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, mom, I think you'll really like this. Yeah. You should buy some. <laughs> I'll like it too. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking of London, how have you managed to live in a busy, big city with 
and also a very like like a large dog. I mean, we kind of already talked about the escalator and stuff, but I think a lot of people are like, oh no, I live in an apartment or I live in a small flat. I, I can't have a big dog. I can't, you know, I or I can't have any dog at all. Like how how have you managed to to accomplish that? Okay, so I, I think there's three main components here. So there's breed specific things. Along with being independent, they're aloof. Um, so they shouldn't be shy as a breed, but they shouldn't particularly like strangers or be interested in them. So getting him used to crowds was a huge thing. Um, the breeder helped a lot with this. I think she had 50 people visit and handle the pups before they were they even came to us. Mm-hmm. And then we added another 100 to that in the first month. So he is very, very relaxed with crowds. Having said that, it just shows where you pay in training, it works mm-hmm. out because he's very good with people. Other things we didn't invest in so much. And obviously that that cost us. Um, <laughs> so depending on the dog, you know, there's working around this. The comment around apartments we get really often, and we currently live in a flat. And I think people get confused that large breeds, they're not necessarily, they're not space intensive, but they're time intensive. So you know, even if I, I don't know what size of flat or house I would need to have for Vorek to effectively exercise enough at home. And even if he had the space to run around, it would all be the same. It wouldn't actually be enough for him. They need the diversity and the mental stimulation. So the only issue with flats, and that that's one we've had as well, is if they make noise or, or howl that you might get problems. And mm-hmm. that's as well a, a common breed feature. Again, very much like hounds. Um, <laughs> But yeah, getting him used to people and finding enough, making sure that you have enough time in order to, you know, exercise them and not just physically, but give them the enrichment and mental stimulation. And then the the last thing around big dogs in the city, I think, is appreciating most other dogs will be small. And there are different, it, it is different having a dog this big when, you know, around you, there are only small dogs. They are being treated differently. Um, you have to kind of hold a higher bar for your dog's behavior. So it is completely normal for a lot of um, very small cockapoos to come running at us barking. And sometimes it's it's playful, it's, it's totally fine. But if I had a barky dog and he just ran up, Vorik ran up at some stranger saying, hey, I'm excited <laughs> to meet you, bark, 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 I would be in trouble, I think. Yeah, yeah, because I can imagine um, quite a few people being scared of Vorik, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We have people cross on the other side of the road. Uh, a lot of the time, um, it's it's just something. Not everybody is used to dogs, and he is huge. Well, mind you, we have just as many people kind of come up really close, be like, oh, my God, is it a wolf? Can I touch it? Can I have a photo? <laughs> yeah, because that's what he looks like. I mean, he has the look of a wolf with, like, the grayish kind of fur and then just the face. And But it is an it is like a registered breed, right? Like it's a rec- he's yeah. a recognized breed. He's not like you just were like, I'm going to get half wolf. Yeah, absolutely. And so what have the biggest challenges you've come across? Either just kind of with Volrick and being in the city, just kind of as a big umbrella. Um, my personal one was separation anxiety. Uh, And actually, to be perfectly honest, with lockdown in the UK, that's coming back a little bit after years of hard work and him oh, learning no. to be very happy at home. He's now got so used to having both of us here that he he's getting a bit nervy, but um, we, we did, we did follow all the training advice and the training steps. So we thought we were in the clear when he was a puppy and he, he was doing okay with increasing amounts of time. And then for work, I had to travel abroad and I never, I never really thought about it because, you know, he wasn't being left alone. He has, he had his dad, but when I came back after a week, he, his attitude was pretty much like, oh, so when you go, you go for this long, you're never leaving again. <laughs> like, I am going to hell and, and that's it. So um, we we had to work for months to undo that. And it's just, I, I found it the biggest challenge because it's really heartbreaking. It's very emotional for me. You know, we, we have the camera, which has helped us so much, but hearing him howl and being distressed was just really awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did that cause issues with other people in the building and other like landlord as well? Uh, no. So our neighbors from upstairs, two lovely girls, they, they moved away now, but they offered to pet sit him for free. Oh. <laughs> they didn't want him to cry. So 
Um, that's so yeah. nice. That's, that's so sweet. And you know what? That is such a good way to kind of overcome that. You know, I think there's a lot of people, especially now, you know, everyone's at home. If you do have a neighbor who is exhibiting neighbor being the dog, not the human exhibiting some kind of distress, mm-hmm. um, instead of just being like, I'm going to call the landlord or I'm going to call the police. If you have the time, like offer to help, like just go hang out with the dog. Yeah, yeah, offer to help. That might not be, you know, hey, I can pet sit for free. It could just be like, hey, do you want me to let you know when this is happening and what's the best method of me getting in touch with you yeah. and try and help the situation versus I'm just going to call the police. Just reporting it. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get them evicted. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> smart. Sure. No, we've been super lucky. They They are so lovely. That is good. Yeah. Hey everyone, as you may be able to tell, we're a new podcast, so we don't have any ad spots or sponsors. We're doing all of this out of our own pocket, so if you're enjoying this episode so far, please take the time to subscribe, give us a five-star review. It really helps our podcast so much and makes it easier for others to find us as well. So how do you handle, you said you bring Bulwark into work, how do you handle public transportation with him? Um. So actually, public transport hasn't been that hard because, as I mentioned, he's aloof to people. And once we make sure he isn't scared or stressed by them, he just is not bothered. He's not interested. Um, So he's totally fine in a crowd. He tends to even be so relaxed on trains. He'll, um, even in a crowded situation, try to lay down between everyone's Yes, uh, kind of Lupin feet. did that too. Yes, <laughs> it's it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> and uh, we've had people kind of jump on the train, not look around, and then scream in his face because <gasps> they are actually phobic of dogs. And he just doesn't, you know, he's kind of laid on his side, sort of wobbling as the train moves, just complete, <laughs> like Jello, completely relaxed. Um, so, so it's really good. I do, I do have to watch really closely because there are a lot of people that are scared of dogs, especially big dogs in this proximity. Mm-hmm. I think it's the fact that they don't expect to see them there. Uh, we taught him a couple of positions that I really recommend that are super useful. So one is to lay down uh, behind your legs. So as you sit down on the seat, make some space, and then he goes underneath. That's as small as he can make himself. And the other one is to sit in between your legs as you're standing up so that kind of you're nice and compact. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how we travel. That's perfect. Yeah, That's so great. That's, I did, I did really similar stuff with Lupin. I was Mm -hmm. like, you like train him that he, I can stand like above him, like my leg on either side, if he's standing or if he decides to lay down. And then also I always have this like like this ugly Ikea bath mat that was like beige that I would bring in me, like bring with me on my purse. And then I would throw it down and I'd be like, this is your spot. And it was good for other people too, because Lupin would just lay on that. But then it was almost like his little boundary. Like people would be like, oh, okay, no, that's the dog bed. Like they, he, they would give yeah. him more space than I think they usually would otherwise. Yeah. So, I mean, he still would just like lay his head on people's shoes sometimes. And Aww. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're like shiny, nice shoe and you're going to work and you're like pantsuit. You're going to, I'm like, you're going to get fur on them, Lupin. And anyway. Um, okay, cool. So it sounds like you, you did some training with that. What about like around the city? Like, you know, we got to go across this crosswalk really quick or zebra crossing we gotta like there's crowds all that kind of stuff is it is he kind of the same he's just aloof so he kind of just like goes up uh, to you he, he's the same but i am noticing now that with lockdown he is sort of more high strung and i think he was always good because we we gave him such a versatile and fun life so he would have been running around in Hampstead Heath which for for non-londoners is like the biggest most beautiful park it's it feels wild there's lakes and uh, sorry there's ponds and fields and forest so you know he's been running around for at least 90 minutes he's had his breakfast and now he's going to work so he's kind of in a relaxed mental state um because of lockdown and uh, personally we're also moving and it's just been so busy so we haven't actually been giving him quite the attention he deserves over the past four weeks and I can definitely see that's affecting his mental state probably the way it's affecting our uh, mental mm. state being in lockdown as well so now he's kind of more hyper aware I think what I'm trying to say is you can you need to set up the dogs for success so there's a you know desensitization and training but also make sure that 
they get to do what makes them happy before asking them to do things that are kind of boring or maybe even a little bit stressful or scary. Yeah, yeah that makes total sense. And how about other dogs in in London? Because you said most of them are small. So how did you socialize him appropriately? And how does he get some of that um, social interaction out of his system? Yeah, we... Um, we have a couple of Jack Russells that live nearby that just boss him around. So it's always funny <laughs> when you say small dogs, but you know, they're small yeah. dogs and small dogs. So sometimes just because of their size, he's also been like properly herded by um, corgis, but he, oh he really gets on with them because they, they just have the same face. So he's like, yeah. oh, you're one of us. Just, just tiny. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You're cool. Um, so we, we were really careful when he was in that very mouthy, uh, phase because a lot of dogs don't play this way. This mm-hmm. is where we discovered that actually staffies are great wrestling partners. And even when he outgrew them and kind of shot up and was so much taller and bigger than the staffies because of their low center of gravity, they just kind of run at him and it's like a bowling <laughs> ball going through <laughs> pins. He just like fly everywhere because they're so they're so strong and powerful. Um, we went to a lot of puppy classes and kind of did careful, calm socialization with dogs that are not his size. I would, I wouldn't trust him to play to properly play with, you know, uh, a Chihuahua or a Pom. So, for example, on the walk that Carly and I met at, we th- there were Pomeranians there, but they were kind of very calm, very socialized. So they can absolutely walk together. But if Vork tried playing with it, I would definitely call him back. Just yeah, stepping wrong could really injure these yeah. dogs and I don't mm-hmm. trust that he isn't clumsy enough to do that yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> for sure I mean it happens um and you don't want to be that person who's like I'm I'm sorry my dog stepped on your dog now it's got a broken leg like that yeah yeah <laughs> you don't want to be that person yeah. <laughs> but that's good yeah. so his recall is um is pretty good I, th- I think a lot of dogs in England have pretty good recall because there isn't any leash laws yeah which is amazing that's that's one of the differences big differences between the u.s and the uk is just like like the u.s every single dog is on a leash like all the time and so when we first moved there we were right next to hampstead heath and it was a dream because lupin does not like to be on leash he loves to do what he wants and so (laughs) the fact that we could just like go into the park and just let him off and just i mean he wouldn't go that far like you know like he just wanted to have his own time and the fact that he, he could run around in there, it was a dream. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, it actually does more detriment to dogs sometimes in the U.S. that they're always on the leash than mm-hmm. not. Like it's it's maybe safer in some aspects. Like, because I think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This, this pros and cons, I feel like it holds the owner to a higher standard if there isn't a leash law. Yeah. Because yeah, you, exactly. you ha- like you have to, like you have to put in the time to do some training versus yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to tug my dog on the leash, take him the other way. Yeah. Fine. And it, it reduces the socialization too. Like mm-hmm. what you were just saying that we'll, we'll can like go around and run around with other dogs and stuff. And it just like here, it's like you have, they have to meet on leash or they don't meet at all. I don't know how many times we walk by other people and usually I'd be like, can they say hi? And, and then more often than not, the people are like, no, cause they're like either on their phone or like whatever. And I'm like, you're, yeah. you're doing your dog a disservice. You're teaching them that every single time they're on a leash, they can't say hi to dogs, which is making them yeah. like, well, it's anyway, like, that's a whole, it's a whole nother topic for yeah, another, whole other topic <laughs> off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, so how do you convey to your followers like exactly what's going on? Like how, how do you put, how, let me rephrase. What's the sweet spot in saying like, this is what real life is like with a wolf dog, but also being like, I don't hate my dog. (laughs) I just want people to know. Honestly, I haven't found it. I I constantly (laughs) struggle because I feel like I want to show when we've had a really good time, but that I'm worried people will underestimate it. And at the same time, when I post that I'm struggling with something, I also, you know, I tend to get a lot of people, um, kind of commenting on it, especially in wolf dog circles. Mm. And, you know, I want to tell them, yeah, but I'm, I'm just trying to show like a lot of the time he isn't like this. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, I kind of, I try not to overthink it um, and not focus too much on what the com- the actual comments are. Um, 
but just post, go back to doing this for myself. I know it yeah. sounds very selfish. I should probably be saying I'm doing it all for my followers. Um, <laughs> but it's it's worked well when we, we just used it as our diary, uh, really with mm-hmm. Vorek. And yeah. somehow it seems to balance, I think. But I would love feedback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I think the diaries the perfect way because it's like maybe there's that one post where you say you're struggling with something and then people comment and they're like oh you should do this or Mm. you know like my wolf dog doesn't do that or like whatever but like on the whole because the fact that you post like every single day of Mm -hmm. you you show the goods and the bads and everything it's like when you look at the whole picture it's like you're showing life with a dog you know, and, and dog parent life, which I think is really valuable because there's so many people out there that, you know, the Instagram or whatever, is just the fun stuff. It's just the like, my dog's so amazing, get a dog. And then someone gets a dog and they're like, I'm so unprepared. (laughs) This is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I have had some messages of people saying, Hey, we were looking at these and now I don't think this is right for us. And every time Half of me is like, oh no, what have I done? And then I remember, oh wait, this is a really good outcome. This is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have yeah. to remind myself. But equally, you have the the majority of people want to hear what they want to hear. So I've had it both on Instagram and also physically when I'm talking to people that they ask you like, are they really good pets? And the honest answer is no. Like compared to other dogs, yes, Vork is a pet, but compared to other breeds, they are not good pets at all. Mm -hmm. And then they just like gloss by it being like, oh, so, you know, I can have three babies and them and two cats and a parrot. It's like, okay. (laughs) Just completely went over your head, I guess. It's okay. (laughs) And it's hard because you have to balance it because I absolutely, I actually, uh, you know, know people, I rehomed a dog with somebody who, has parrots and a lot of other animals, but they are professional TV animal trainers. <laughs> and yeah, this is where yeah. you start. And then people's egos come in being like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So it's a it's a forever battle. The one thing I keep on on trying to share that it's not a matter of egos. Somebody is not better because they can control and train a wolf dog. It's a lifestyle choice. They just mm. choose to spend their weekends and their free time doing this. And you know, they, they are not spending as much time maybe traveling or doing other fun things. So it's, it's not an ego. It's just lifestyle. Yeah. And what type of, I guess if you had like the ideal wolf dog owner, what kind of person would they be? Or what kind of life would they leave? Oh, what kind of life, life. would they live? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the ideal uh, person would be somebody who actually competes um, or does something professional with dogs. So whether that's the thing they were bred for to do search and rescue because they, uh, sorry, they were bred to do border control, actually, <laughs> not quite the same as <laughs> search and rescue. But nowadays, um, at least in the UK, the ones that uh, are doing men trailing are doing it for search and rescue, not for, for border control. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like this or somebody who can work them, you know, in, in doing agility or something kind of consistent, I would have mm-hmm. loved to do search and rescue and men trailing more seriously. Um, but with our jobs, we can't at the time. Yeah, maybe, maybe in a few years, hopefully. I I found that a lot of search and rescue people they usually you know semi retired or retired or like in a position where they just have a lot more free time to go and do that because I couldn't imagine having a full time job forty hours a week training the dog and going out and looking for people. Yeah. <laughs> like there's, I don't think there's enough hours in the day no. to be able to do that. Mm-mm. So I think a lot of people are just in a bad time position, I guess, yeah. to be able to do all of those things. Yeah. In the UK, uh, search and rescue with dogs is is charitable, like on a voluntary basis, right? They're not professionals, which it sounds like it might be the same in the US. So you're really, if you sign up, you're taking someone else's spot. So you want to make sure you're not just doing it as a sport or for fun. You want yeah. to then be available if you get called out. And yeah. there are, as you say, very few jobs where you could just say, ah, yeah, got to look for someone. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. It, and you have no idea how long that search is going to last either. It could be one day, two days, seven days. You could be on a rotation with other search and rescues, um, volunteers and stuff. It, it can be a whole thing. Although I feel like in England, how, how long can you really be lost for? Nope. <laughs> 
I don't know. Because it's smaller? Yeah. Well, I feel like, I don't know. I've been... (laughs) I've only I've only been to like the Peak District and the Lake District, but I feel like when you get to the top of the hill, you can definitely almost always see some kind of farmhouse. People either get lost in uh, bed weather in mountains. Oh, so you, yeah. you've had cases in uh, in Ireland, for example, or more often actually what happens is that it's vulnerable people. So elderly oh, yeah. people with dementia, oh, people that's that are sad. suicidal or have mental health issues or mm. children. Um, yeah. so that's okay, why I take it might back. not figure out that that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna take this out of the podcast. Everyone sucks. <laughs> yeah. You're over here, Izzy, like, how can you even get lost? <laughs> well <laughs> Okay. No, no, no. Myth busted. Anyway. You can get lost <laughs> in England. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Well, to round out the interview, I have Last question is basically, what are your top top tips and advice for other people who want a wolf dog or want a large dog in a big, big city? You kind of already went over it, but like just in to round it out. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I would say that big dogs are all really different. Whether you get a Bernese mountain dog or a wolf dog, it's a completely different ball game. Not just because you can't lift the Bernies or you have to be very strong too. Um, so I would say definitely spend a lot of time with the breed. Uh, it is absolutely normal for it to take over a year to get the right pup. It's not an Amazon Prime sort of job. Um, and meet lots of owners if you if you can even take and foster dogs for a little bit so you really see what they're like. And the second thing I would say is to properly budget. I, I think mm-hmm. that in order to to make it work in the city a lot of the time the costs are higher you'll you're you're going to rely on dog daycare the vets in the cities tend to be more expensive dog walkers insurance all of that jazz and really really add it up because people often ask me wow what a beautiful dog how much does he cost and he wasn't cheap but he cost what what most dogs of good pedigrees cost here mm-hmm. and that is peanuts compared to what we spend a year on him yeah. afterwards so just prepare. <laughs> yeah. And you have a good post, I think, on your website about that, like the actual cost of what it costs to to have a wolf dog like per month or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's our most visited part of the page, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> Which smart. Which is good. It's yeah. good. It's yeah. a good thing. Yep. Yeah. For sure. And if people want to find uh, Volrick on Instagram, where can they do that? Uh, he is Wolf Dog of London. And I think we may have sparked a little bit of a trend because I recently got sent a list of other wolf dogs that are wolf dog of uh, oh. in a place. So hopefully we'll have people all over the map soon. Oh, yeah. that sounds so cool. <laughs> wolf dog of Barcelona, wolf dog of yeah. New York City. Or so. Oh, that'd be so fun. That would be cool. Yeah. And you said that you have a website. <laughs> it's uh, it's www.wolfdogoflondon.com. Awesome. Perfect. Check it out. Yay. All right. Well, that's it. Yeah. I think thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. We've really enjoyed it. Thank you for making the time. It was so nice. Yes. All right. Well, take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram at We're the Dog Podcast. We have a great Facebook community called We're the Dog Paparazzi. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share it with your friends and family. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist. 